listening to podcast number one, episode number one. The title of all of my podcasts will be Never Walking Alone. This first episode I've entitled My Mother Taught Me to Walk. Now, that may seem a little unusual to some of you to start a podcast off with My Mother Taught Me to Walk. Actually, that's the way I started off, so I might as well uh, give you a personal example that I think will establish my purpose for the podcasts that follow. Let me preface my remarks this morning by saying that the only way you can fully understand and, and fully be a part of never walking alone in a spiritual way is to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he came to this earth to die for you and for me, and you accept that, and you believe that he lived and was crucified and on the third day arose, and he's now at the right hand of God. Now, that sounds like he left this earth and we're alone, but that's what we're going to be talking about for the next few minutes. Never, You'll never be walking alone if you are a believer and you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. With this personal experience that I'm going to be talking concerning my mother, at... In 1955, my father died. I was two weeks from my 11th birthday, and my brother was seven. And I remember when everyone came to our house, all the relatives and friends, uh, that they had a lot of advice for my mother. Now, my mother's experience is going to tell you that he sought advice, advice other places than just her family. But he had a sister, and my father had brothers who lived in another town some 50 miles away. So consequently, when they came, they had a lot of advice. And the advice, the main part of the advice was they instructed mother that there was not any way that she was going to be able to raise these two boys by herself. Her name was Mary, and I remember them saying many times, Mary, you just cannot do this alone. You need to move back to where we are so we can help you raise your boys. My mother pondered this for a few seconds, and she gave them an answer that I think startled them and somewhat confused them. She remembered. See, my mother had been a, a reader of God's Word as long as I can remember. And at this time, she uh, had some advice for them. She remembered the scriptures that she had read over the years, and one of them that stuck in her mind was Deuteronomy 31.6 from the Old Testament. It says, Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified or afraid of what's before you. 
Even my mother knew that her journey was not going to be easy. She had had some hard time in her life up to this point. My mother didn't marry till she was 35. A lot of reasons for that. Her mother died when she was eight, and she had to help of an aunt to raise her siblings. Had to get them ready for school every morning, had to do what needed to be done. And then she also went to school herself. And so she went through these times, and I'm sure they they were very difficult times, but I never heard her complain about it. She also knew and had read the 23rd Psalm, which is her favorite one that we used at her funeral, which a lot of people do. And the fourth verse meant a lot to her because it said that she could walk through the valley of shadow of death and not have any fear because he is with her. God is with her. And she knew that and she believed that. This was part of her life. And she had lived like that for many years, not fearing, but going going forward in with God's plan in her life. A little bit more of her life might tell you how strong she really was. She, after a while, she got her kids graduated from high school, her brothers and sisters, and she decided she'd go to college. And so at age 22 or so, she went off to a college. Now, at that point in time, she had one year in college and the depression hit. And she had to go back home to take care of all the things that were there and to get a job and make some money, if possible. She did, and she worked through the Depression. Again, tough times. I don't know about them, and many of you probably don't know about them. But they were tough times. They were tough times to just to survive. But she managed to do that. So that's why the experience of waiting to 35 to marry was in her life at that point. She had me at 37. She had my brother at 40. My dad died when I was 11 or close to 11. So you know that she wasn't married long in her entire life. She spent the rest of it what what with what people most people would think would be alone. In her case, she knew she was not alone. It was a tough life for him during those years with my father. He was an alcoholic. I can remember sitting up with her when I was just a small child, five or six, waiting for somebody to bring him home on Saturday night, put him out of the car, and let him make his way into the house. He was not a mean drunk. He was just a drunk. And consequently, mother would have tell me, Edwin, don't stay up, go to bed, I'll be all right. But I didn't want her alone, and I didn't understand that she knew that God was sitting right there with her, waiting for everything to, to settle down, so in fact, he could rest. And uh, this was all, every Saturday night that I can remember. We used to listen to Lawrence Welk, and I don't even, I wouldn't listen to it today. I couldn't because of the experiences that I've had during that time. We would get up on Sunday morning and we would go to church. Now keep in mind, we didn't we, we did not own a car. Somebody had to pick us up. We had friends that would pick us up every Sunday morning. We'd go to church and they would bring us home. My father did not go to church. Uh, I am not sure to this day whether he was a believer or not. So two weeks after he died, 
with my birthday in the following week, not knowing what the future held for me. And I wanted to make sure that although I knew about God and had probably had some kind of experience because my mother had been teaching my Sunday school class for many years, and I probably had some idea, but I wanted to give my life and, and accept Jesus. So I went down one Sunday morning and accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, surrendered to him, said, Lord, I want to live for you. Now, I want to tell you that since I'm not perfect, which might surprise you, but I'm not perfect, and I didn't always live exactly like I knew I should. I was not a bad person. I went through high school trying to do the best I could. I was not a, I was not a problem for anyone not even my mother, and I tried to keep my life in the way that I knew God would want it to be. And consequently, my life, my whole life, even to this day, has been one that was trying to follow exactly what God wanted me to do. Now, I've wavered from time to time. Uh, But as a child of God, it's just like your children or my children. We're not going to let them waver long. We're going to make some corrections. We're going to bring them back in the fold. And prayerfully, I I did not get out of the fold far enough that it caused any major problem. It could have, but it didn't. So at that point, as my mother's wife was teaching me, she didn't know that she was teaching me how I was going to be walking through my life. She she didn't do uh, a, a lot of talking about it. I just saw her live it. She taught me how to physically walk. And when I learned how to walk, she knew that I was okay at that point. The difference in a spiritual walk is you never get to the point that you don't need help. So she wanted me to understand that. She didn't get to where she was in our life by herself. She got there because she was filled with the Holy Spirit and he was directing each step that she took. At that point, at this point, I think it's important that we go back and we look at where that guidance comes from and how you receive the guidance and go through the situations that we went through growing up and that she went through raising two boys. We both went off to college. We both graduated. So she was she accomplished that. And again, there were some difficult times. My brother and I worked from the time we were old enough to work all the way through college. My first job was shining shoes in a barber shop at about 12 years old. Uh, and then from then on, I had worked all the way through high school and college. So it was not an easy time, but yet it was a good time. And we we did not realize that we didn't have anything because she never told us that. He said, we've got a lot of blessings. Let's just make sure that we keep our name good and that we follow what God wants us to do. And from that, we lived and we had joy in our life, even though there were some times that were difficult. You know, God doesn't want anybody to be alone. That's not his. That's not what he set it up to happen. If you'll remember, if you don't remember, if you're not a Bible uh, reader, then I want you to at some point get your Bible and go to the first book in the Bible, which is Genesis. Many of you spent hours there, some maybe not as many as others. 
But but God didn't want us to be alone. And from the very beginning, he made sure that man was not alone. In Genesis, the second chapter, in the 18th verse, and the Lord was said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper corresponding to him. The Lord God formed out of the ground every wild animal, every bird of the sky, and brought each to the man to see what he would call it. And whatever the man called the living creature, that was its name. The man gave name to all the livestock, to the birds of the sky, to the every wild animal. But for man, no helper was found corresponding to him. God caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at that place. Then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And he said, this one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken from man. Therefore, man did, did not live alone from the beginning. God knew that, that we needed someone. And so that was where we 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 came to this point in our life when we wondered just exactly how to I, I felt alone from time to time and I'm sure you felt alone from time to time. But we've never been alone because God has always been there. We may have gotten away from him a little bit, but he's always been there. We may not have heard from him when we wanted to and thinking he we were alone. But that's just not true. And we've got a lot to talk about in the future about that. But in John 14, chapter 14 in the New Testament, verses 16 and 17, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's getting ready to leave this earth. He's getting ready to be crucified and to be raised and to go to the right hand of the Father. And so he, being that he wants every human to have experience with the presence of God, here's what he told his disciples because they were concerned. He was leaving this earth. He'd been with them night and day for three years. They had seen the miracles he had performed. They had seen the love that he had for everyone and his desire that people accept him as Lord and Savior. So at the, as he sat with them, he, he said to them uh, that, that he was going to be leaving, but they should not be afraid because at the very moment that they that he left and went to heaven, he was going to send the Holy Spirit to be with him. And in John, that's where you find that scripture in John chapter 14, where he says to them, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send a helper to you. As a matter of fact, he could not be everywhere at one time when he was on this earth. So as he ascended to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit back to indwell all believers. You might not understand this, and I didn't at first either, but the Holy Spirit comes to indwell us when we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. God's Spirit lives in us. The triune God is not called that in the Bible, but it's, it's certainly shown that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, three in one. And they, are, they all had a purpose, and there's no hierarchy to it. They're all equal. 
and that 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 will come later in some other podcasts as well. In 1980, I read a book. It was not a spiritual book. It was actually a self-help book written by a gentleman by the name of James W. Newman. It was released in 1978, and the name of the book was Release Your Break. From a self-help standpoint, Mr. Newman was trying to make people understand that there was inside of them the capability to do a lot of things if they would just take one foot off of the accelerator uh, or put, sorry, you had a foot on the accelerator and a brake and you weren't, you weren't, you never knew what horsepower was in that car. It might've been a 400 horsepower engine, but because you didn't take your foot off of the brake and you had it on the accelerator, it wasn't getting full potential. He wanted people to get full potential and use the capabilities they had in their life to do what they needed to do. Good thought. I took it and turned it to a spiritual thought saying, you know, we do, the, we, we do the same thing in our spiritual life. We haven't released the brakes. We've got the Holy Spirit in our life with great power that we don't understand what it is. Through some of our other podcasts later on, we'll talk about the power of the Holy Spirit and what, what it does. My prayer each day, and hopefully yours, is Holy Spirit got every thought that I have. Now, if he's guiding all of my thoughts, they're going to be good thoughts. Also, guide the words that I speak. If he guides the words that I speak, they're going to be good words. Guide every step that I take. If I follow what his guidance is and where I go and what I do, they're going to be good steps. Now, I haven't done this 100% of my time. I don't want you to think perfection is there. It's not. We're going to make mistakes. But if this is our prayer every day and we are aware that the Holy Spirit is directing us, there's a lot of pitfalls that I fell into that if I had been doing this like I should have, I wouldn't have fallen in these pitfalls. So after being at the bottom, sometimes you look up and you say, God, what can I do different? And he says, listen and follow me. There's a beautiful passage in Scripture, and it's in Psalms 139. And it's a beautiful passage that I want to read to you. Psalm 139, verses uh, 1 through 12, present God. Now, Jesus told his disciples, I'm sending you a comforter to be with you, and he will be with you forever. And so as King David, now King David hadn't had this information. He didn't have it that's his point. He was close to God. He had prayed to God. He had an intimate relationship because he was one that prayed and listened to what God told him. And so this this psalm was written, and David wrote it, and, and, it, and it, it goes like this. Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know, the Lord does know us. He can search our heart and he knows us. And that, and David, King David knew that. You know when I sit down and you know when I stand up. You understand my thought from afar. Now, David was talking to God in heaven and he didn't have the Holy Spirit in his life like you and I do because the Holy Spirit did not come until Jesus left this earth. So he had not been here at that time, nor had he ascended. So the Holy Spirit came in occasions in the Old Testament, but not the filling like you and I have. 
but he still he knew that God knew his thoughts from far away. You observe my travel and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Think about that. God is aware of all of our ways. Before a world is on before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it. Lord, you have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. Beautiful thought. God, you know my thought. You know the words. You have encircled me. You've put your arms around me. You have placed your hand on me. I feel your presence. The wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty. I am not able to reach it. So he's saying in those first verses that he knows that the presence of God is with him, and he's aware of that. So it's a wonderful thought this morning, as you and I have, that we know that God wants us does not want us to be alone, and he's made the he's made the opportunity where he can be with us through the power of the Holy Spirit. So my prayer is that if you and I go daily asking God to guide us and direct us and to be with us, we can have the same joy through hardships and through trials that we're going to face. Just like my mother knew, there wasn't it wasn't going to be a it wasn't going to be a, a cakewalk to do what she had to do. But she knew that with the help and the strength of God, she would do it. There's many times that I heard her during the night. I thought she was talking to somebody as a small child. And I'd tiptoe to her room, and she'd be on her knees beside her bed, talking to her Father in heaven, asking him for the strength that it took to do what she had to do. And she did it. My mother died at 87. In 1995, when my brother was a senior in college, a high school, she went back to college, not as a student, but as what we used to call a dorm mother. She became Mama Dale to a lot of girls, and she stayed eight years in the dormitory with the girls, and it was probably the easiest part of her life that she's ever lived. God blessed her because she was obedient and she was a believer in his word. My prayer today is that you will be the same type. You will read God's word and adhere to his, to his direction and what he's telling you to do. It's a wonderful life with him walking with you. Thank you.